0: Last Sabbath, remember, we was talking about, learning about Jacob and the ladder, Jacob's ladder, That in that dream that he had, that ladder extended into heaven. You know, he had left his home, his mother Rebecca and his father Isaac sent him away to his mother's land, So I want you to go there and find a wife. So in his travels, he's at Mount Moriah's where he had this dream of the ladder that extended into heaven. And so he's... Going to his mother's land, uh, looking for his uncle, Laban. That's uh, her, his mother's brother. Uh, and she, he has daughters. So anyhow, he travels to that land. I'm going to give you some of the scripture before the scripture that I'll actually read this morning. So he's journeying to Haran is where he's going. Looking for a wife. And there's another story that's very similar to Jacob's story. And that's when Abraham sent a servant. Now there's a lot of similarities, but Abraham sent a servant to go and find a wife for his son Isaac. He didn't send Isaac himself, but he sent a servant. And Abraham's servant, when he comes to the land of Haran, he comes to a well. There's a well there, and he seeks God's help. He he prays, God of my master Abraham, have favor upon me today. May the one who comes and offers to water my camels and those was with me, may that be the one that you have chosen for my master's son, Isaac. And it turned out the way that he prayed that Rebekah, Jacob's mom, Rebekah came and she watered his camels and those that was with him. So she was the one that God had chosen that would be Isaac's wife. Jacob comes to the very same well. The very same well that Abraham's servant came to. He comes to this well. Of course, he comes to the land for the same thing. He's looking for a wife. But if you go back prior to what I'm going to read today, you don't see where he sought God's guidance. He just comes to this same well. There's some similarities, the same well, same land, same family, but he's not seeking God's guidance. But he comes to that well, and there are some shepherds there. And they say, Do you, he says to them, Do you know Laban? Do you know of Laban? Well, yes, we know of Laban. As a matter of fact, here comes his daughter now, bringing their flocks and herds to water them. So in this case, Jacob rolls the stone away from the well and waters the flock for her. So similarities, but yet difference. But Jacob did something very bold, having to just met Rachel that day. In chapter 29, verses 10 and 11, it says, "...and it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother." Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. He just met her and he kissed her. Now don't mistake this weeping for worship. He's just so joyful that he found what he's looking for. He's, it brought him the tears. But not you know, he found the, his possible bride. But not only that, he found a beautiful woman. A beautiful woman. He was smitten with, with Rachel from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he was smitten with her. You talk about love at first sight, it was Jacob when he saw Rachel. Maybe you had love at first sight when you saw your would-be wife for husband. So they run and tell Laban, and Laban comes and greets him. And It might have just been a tradition then to kiss one when you met him. I'm not sure, but I believe that there was more to just a greeting kiss when he kissed Rachel. But Jacob takes him home, takes him to his house, invites him there to be a guest. But he's working while he was there. He started out working, right? He's watering the flocks. So he comes to him and after he'd been there for an entire month and says, Tell me, what will your wages be? Now I want you to remember, whenever Abraham's servant went looking for a bride, he took dowry with him. He took a dowry. He had lots of gold and silver and gifts to take to the family. What did Jacob have? Nothing but the clothes on his back and his hands. His hands and with which he would work. So I'm going to go to our scripture lesson. Genesis 29, verses 15 through 35. Then Laban said to Jacob, "'Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing?' "'Tell me, what should your wages be?' Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. She was a beauty queen. Then, now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, "'I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter.' And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed like only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. So he had worked for seven years. He said, okay, your time's up. I have served you seven years. Give me my wife. Then Jacob said to Laban, Then Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. And Laban gave his maid Zelpha to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then did you deceive me? Do I need to remind you that Jacob deceived his father? He deceived his father, he tricked his father into believing that he was Esau to steal the blessing. Now he is saying to Laban, Why have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service service with which you will serve another seven years. So as it turns out, he had to work 14 years for Rachel, didn't he? Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, so he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Beliah to his daughter Rachel as maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction." Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi." And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. For a time, she did eventually bear more children to Jacob. You know, it may seem like a very generous thing for Laban to allow Jacob to set his own wages. But what you don't see, it reveals that he is a very shrewd negotiator. Undoubtedly, he could see that Jacob was head over heels for his daughter Rachel and would likely offer more than what he would have requested. Especially when he looked and sees, well, he had nothing else to offer. He didn't have any dowry, so he knew that I'm going to get me a worker. I'm going to get me someone that's a good worker. My flocks will be blessed. You know, it'd be like someone going to a shop for a new car. And, <clears throat> you know, you don't want that salesman to see that you fell in love with this car. Oh, this thing is wonderful. It's got, it's the color I wanted. It's got all the bells and whistles. Oh man, I like this car so well. When you go in there and sit down, he's not going to be as likely to negotiate with you. Or you go looking at a house. You find this the house of your dreams, the one you've always wanted. If they know that that's the house of your dreams, the seller may not negotiate as much. You know, many a few years back, when Rosanna and David was in Annapolis, and he was talking about some of the homes down there, and this sold for only $10,000 above the asking price. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It sold above the asking price? Well, yeah, down there, they have a bidding war on a home. That's how hard it is to find a home down there. I'm like, well, this is not the way it works up here. We like to negotiate down, not the other way. But people are willing to offer more for something they really desire. Laban knew that. He knew that Jacob would offer more than he would even ask because his love was that great for his daughter Rachel. Way above the asking price. Laban didn't actually say that he would give Rachel to him, did he? For working seven years. He just said, it's better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. Period. That's all he, did. That's all he said. Jacob was so smitten, he wasn't smart enough to get it in writing that I will work for you seven years, then you will give me your daughter Rachel. Sign here. He didn't do that. It was kind of vague, wasn't it? But what a great sacrifice. What a great sacrifice. Because at the moment he made that verbal agreement with his would-be, eventually be father-in-law Laban, he went from being a host in his home to being his servant. He was his servant. He was tending the flock. Taking care. He did not lay around for seven years drinking lemonade with Rachel in his arms. He was out busy tending the flock, tending the sheep and the goats every day. He worked hard those seven years. But he says they seemed like only a few days. Why? He happily served. Why did he happily serve? Because he was looking to that reward that reward at the end, when he would one day take Rachel in his arms and she would be his wife. He dreamed of that day. He longed for that day. My friends, our service, your service, my service unto the Lord should be like Jacob's service for Rachel. It should be happy service. It should be devoted service. It should not be grudgingly The Word tells us don't give grudgingly. You might as well keep it in your pockets if you're going to give grudgingly. He likes a cheerful giver. Well, my friends, we're not only talking about giving of our monetary things, but of ourselves. God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver of your service unto Him. Do you serve God happily? Or is it, oh my, i got to go clean the church again. Oh, i got to go to Bible study. I really don't want to go. Are you serving Him happily with a joyful heart? Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. My friends, we have that inheritance do you dream of that inheritance? Do you long for that inheritance that will help you to serve Him happily? And in Psalms 119, the psalmist says in verses 10 through 16, With my whole heart I have sought you. Have you sought the Lord with your whole heart? He says, Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. For your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Do you delight in the Lord? Nod your head if you delight in the Lord, please. Nod your head. Do you delight in the Lord? Are you happy? Because He is your Savior. Are you happy? As I said, Jacob pretended. He pretended to be his brother. My friends, Jacob is beginning to reap what he has sown. He's beginning to reap what he has sown. One might ask, How could Jacob not have known until the next morning that it was Leah? How was Laban able to trick him? How how was he able to deceive him? Well, you know, there was always a great celebration, a wedding celebration, before the marriage is consummated, before the husband would go into the wife. It could be that he celebrated a little too much. We don't know. He might have had a little too much wine to drink. You must remember it was probably very dark. So the father would take the bride. He didn't have his own house, remember. So they would have had a room in Laban's estate. So the father takes the bride, takes Leah, puts her in the room, then would go say, your bride is ready. Go into her. She was probably wearing a veil. Says she had a veil. So wearing a veil. It was dark. May have had too much to drink. I'm not exactly sure how it happened. But one thing I know for sure, the Word says, in the morning, it was Leah. He was surprised. He was more than surprised. He was a little angry, wasn't he? But all Laban says, in our culture, it's not proper to give the younger daughter before the older. In marriage. You know, Leah had to be in agreement with this, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Leah had to be in agreement. She had to know what was going on. She could have revealed her true identity, but she chose not to because she saw that I'm going to get me a hard worker as a husband. I'm going to get me a man that's going to inherit a great wealth from his father Isaac. I'm going to get me a man and I might be able to have children. Find happiness. Find joy. I'm getting a husband. So she went along with Laban's plan. You know, we may think we're getting away with something when we're dishonest or deceptive. But it seems like God has a way of bringing it back around, doesn't He? He has a way of refining us. Sometimes He'll use other people to teach us great lessons. God used Laban to teach Jacob a great lesson here, didn't he? As it turned out, Jacob Laban, or Laban would be a thorn in Jacob's side for a number of years to come. I found the wise coat, wise quote, not a wise coat, a wise quote that says, "Today is the father of tomorrow, and today's challenges are the child of yesterday's decisions." I wonder how many times Jacob thought, boy, I wish I wouldn't have deceived my brother. Maybe I wouldn't be serving another seven years. Fulfill her week, Laban says, then I will give you Rachel. So Jacob winds up with two wives. We're not to take this to mean that polygamy is acceptable in the Bible. The Bible may describe many polygamous relationships, of some of the families in the Bible, but it never actually approves of polygamy. It usually describes the pain and the difficulty that such relationships cause, as in today's story. And look at Solomon. Look at the misery that it causes. In Jacob's situation, we know that he really didn't want Leah. He did not want Leah as a wife. He worked, and he worked hard for Rachel. He was a carnal man at this time. He was looking at that outward beauty that she was beautiful in form and appearance, the word says. But verse 17 said, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Description of Leah suggests fragility, maybe vulnerability or tenderness. But one thing it clearly reveals is that her outward beauty paled in comparison to her sister. She may have been a fine looking woman, but it paled in comparison to her sister Rachel. You know, there's a lot of people seeking happiness in this story, isn't there? Jacob's seeking happiness in the beauty of a woman. Laban is seeking happiness in the growth of his business. Rachel was seeking happiness in having children. Leah is seeking happiness in the love of a husband. The story reveals that. Scripture reveals that. But things do not always turn out the way that we would hope, do they? When we look for fulfillment in the things of this world, friends, things will not always turn out the way that we think so. Jacob got a wife that he didn't want. Rachel got the love of her husband. That was true. There was no doubt about his love for her but she at first didn't get the children. It was many years before she would have a child. Laban ends up losing much of his wealth and his business to his son Jacob. Part of the story that is beyond that is after those 14 years were up, Laban says, please don't leave. Stay. Serve me longer. Jacob says, I have nothing. No, I have no wealth. Stay with me and we'll give you some of my flock. So as it turns out, the Lord blessed him. When the stronger came and Jacob put some twigs in there, so at first he was going to give him the spotted and speckled. Well, they turned out to be the strongest ones. Well, then he says, no, wait a minute. They're all the stronger ones. You take the plain ones. Well, then they turned out to be the stronger ones. But in the end, God blessed Jacob. And he got the greater portion and the greater in strength of the flock of Laban after six more years of service. So 20 years of service. But back to Leah. The Lord saw that Leah was unloved. Verses i I'm going to repeat verse 31 and 32. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Because she bore him a son, she says, My husband will love me. All she wanted, friends was to be loved. Isn't that what most of us desire? To, to love and be loved, right? We also see the significance of names in the Old Testament. Reuben means, see a son. Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, now my husband will love me. She thinks that now that I've had a son, she will be seen and she will be loved. She has another son. She names him Simeon. What does Simeon mean? It means heard. She thinks that now that I've had a second son, she will be heard. My husband will hear me. He will see me and he will hear me. She says, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, He has given me this son. The third son, she names Levi. What does that mean? It means attached. She thinks that now that I've had a third son, surely my husband will be attached to me. Because I've given him three sons. She keeps looking for that happiness, doesn't she? She keeps looking for that happiness. She's hoping that her husband will look at her the way that he looks at Rachel. That's what she's longing for. That my husband would look at me, that my husband would listen to me the way that he does Rachel. Because I have borne him these sons. Tim Keller summarizes life's disappointments in saying this, All life here is marked by cosmic disappointment. We're all searching for happiness, but we can never quite find it. It's a major theme of the Bible. We were made for happiness. We were hardwired for happiness. Yet everything in this world ultimately, ultimately leaves us feeling empty and hollow, even if we get what we want. Your job, your marriage, your children, your career, your accomplishments, your wealth. All of them will give you some sense of happiness, but none of them will get the satisfaction that you really want. You'll wake up in the morning, my friends, and it'll be Leah. You will not find that true happiness. You won't find that true happiness when you seek it of the things of this world. The greatest lesson in this passage is found at the very end. Here's the last thing that we see in our passage. Verse 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Receive that, friends. She said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Every time Leah had a son, she thought she would finally be happy. Finally, had the love of her husband. My friend, something changed. Something changed, didn't it? She finally looked to the only place that we will ever find true happiness. She looked to the Lord. She said, now I will praise the Lord. Now I will praise the Lord. She finally looked to God, the God of her husband, and found the true joy, the true peace, the true happiness that she had longed for. She named him Judah, which means praise. God didn't change her circumstances. She was still in the same home. She was still the second wife, if you will, of her husband. But He changed her. She wasn't seeking fulfillment in her circumstances. Friends, if you're seeking happiness, if you're seeking fulfillment in your circumstances, you're going to be disappointed. You must... Find it in God. Wives, you'll never find true happiness, true fulfillment in your husband. Because I can tell you, we're going to mess up. We do. We're going to leave the dirty clothes laying around. We're not going to put things away. We're not going to always say the right thing. We're going to mess up. Husbands, you won't find Fulfillment or true happiness in your wife. She too's, my wife made a mistake once, I think, but she's gonna mess up. My wife thought she was wrong once, but she was mistaken. You won't find that fulfillment in your wife. You will only find it in Jesus Christ, in the Lord, where you find true happiness. It only comes from one place. In Matthew six thirty-one through thirty-three, and I know it's talking about the things of the world. Do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" or "What shall we wear?" For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So let's even put that into marriage. Don't seek fulfillment there, but seek it in God. Seek Him first. God will take care of the rest. C.S. Lewis said, If I find myself desiring, myself, find in myself, I'm going to start over. C.S. Lewis said, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Friends, you were made for another world. You weren't made for this world the way it is. You were made for another world. The story of Jacob and the turmoil within his family, because there was a lot of dissension there between the families when they did both have children and just always a lot of dissension there. We find an amazing story of God's patience though, with mankind, don't we? How He worked in and through all of man's shortcomings. My friends, when we look at the family that God chose to bring the nation forth, to reveal Himself to all the world, Abraham and all His descendants, they made a lot of mistakes. They messed up a lot. That bunch was a mess. Well, you know what? That's good news for us. Because God loved them, He was patient with them, that's good news for us because it tells us that God's patient with us. He'll bear with us through all of our shortcomings, doesn't He? 20 years, he finally gets to leave that land. i want to share a little bit about what happens on his journey back home. In Genesis 35, verses 16 through 20, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephraim, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Ani, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephra, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel, Rachel's grave to this day. It's interesting that Rachel was buried on the way to Ephra. Whenever we look at the next scripture that I'm going to share with you. Genesis 49. And this is Jacob giving instruction to his son Joseph about his burial. Genesis 49, 29 through 33. Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people, buried with my father in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the the field of Ephron the Hittite as a possession for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is there were purchased from the sons of Heth. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. I wonder if after Rachel had passed in the ensuing years that Jacob finally saw the true beauty of his wife Leah. For she, he buried her where the rest of the family was buried. I wonder if he saw her true worth, her true value, and that's the inner, the inner beauty that was in her. David Murray authored the book, The Happy Christian, and he asked a great question. He says, what would a Christian definition of happiness look like? Is there such a thing as Christian happiness? If so, what would it include? And he gives his answers, he says, I believe there is such a thing as Christian happiness, quite distinct from any other kind of happiness. But the problem is that it is so multi-layered and multi-dimensional that it is possib- it's possibly impossible to define. to define it in one sentence. He says, believe me, I have tried. Consider just the following samples of sources of what brings us happiness. God is our perfect Father. That should make us happy. We know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I hope that that brings happiness into your heart. The Holy Spirit is sanctifying and empowering us. My friends, our sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. God lives in our hearts. We are justified and adopted into God's worldwide and heaven-wide family. You are sons and daughters of the living God. You are adopted through Jesus Christ. Everything is working together for our good. When we have God on our side. It might not look like it right now. But we know that it is. God is our guard and our guide. And we have all the promises of God. And His promises are yes and amen. Jesus has prepared a place for us in heaven. And my friends, we will be welcomed there. He is coming for us again. 1 Corinthians 15:19 says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of the men most pitiable. Calvin Miller says, joy belongs to those who understand that earth is but a rehearsal for heaven. Nothing in this life is wasted that remembers that. This is nothing but a rehearsal, friend for that which God is preparing for us. Do you want true happiness? Do you want true joy? Do you want true peace in this heart, in your chest? There's only one place to find it, and that is in Jesus Christ. He who can forgive us of our sins. He who died on that cross so we can have forgiveness of our sins. He can bring us to the Father. That is our true peace. If you're watching this today and you haven't accepted Christ, and you want peace in your heart, ask the Lord to forgive your sins, to come into your heart, commit your life to Him today. And you will find that true peace and that true joy that God wants us to have. He doesn't want us to live our lives in turmoil and disappointment and distress and uncertainty. He wants us to be certain in Him He wants us to know Him, to believe on Him, that He can bless us with the gift of eternal life, life with Him, in that place that He has prepared, our eternal home. You're not made for here, friends, we are made for there. Let's keep our eyes on that. Keep our eyes on that which He has prepared for us. Amen?